Welcome to today's episode. Hope you are well. I am your host, Joe Williams, and in this episode, I am speaking with Scott Kane. Scott is the founder of Run Friendly and the Run Some campaign. Run Some is a campaign to inspire more of us to run some everyday journeys, errands and commutes. And, and this really got me thinking about some of the journeys that I take, how I could participate in Run Some or running some and um, why why I would. This is a bit different to our other podcast to date. Uh, I really enjoyed chatting with Scott. I hope you enjoy it too. Um, we'll be back again this week with a second podcast, so look out for that. And in the meantime, stay safe and well, and see you on the next episode. Morning, Scott. Morning, Joe. How are you? Hello, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. Um, and thanks for the uh, thanks for the invite onto your fantastic podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I, I am good as well. Thank you for asking. No, uh, nothing is not polite, Aslam. You know, Ashraf Aslam. That's what it is. That's it. <laughs> See, you, yes, you are indeed a fellow Shropshire lad. I am here in Shrewsbury as we speak. Uh, a fine old stomping ground. We we probably shouldn't talk about too many nights out in Shrewsbury in the in the in the nineteen eighties, which. Uh, which we could do and possibly have done in the past, but uh, yeah, I'm um, I'm from uh, well, actually, a, a mining village. Would you believe in Shropshire called Highley, or Eiley, as uh, as we would have called it, um, yeah. uh, which is sort of near uh, Bridge North, I guess, for those that. Um, but to anybody who's never been to Shropshire, it's sort of in between Birmingham and Wales. Is probably the best way to describe it. Yes. We are the through route. It's actually something that I say to people when I encourage them to come and um, take part in the Shrewsbury Half Marathon. Don't just drive through Shropshire on your way to Wales to, you know, for a day, for a day at the beach. Actually, stop. It's it's a really nice place. <laughs> should, we do, should we do a bit of um? Should we should do a bit of kind of promotion of of Shropshire? Why people should come? Well, yeah. Bridge North, for example, it's got a castle. Well, the remaining walls of a castle. Which lean more than the leaning tower of Pisa? Yes, as do as do the majority of the six hundred Grade Two listed buildings in Shrewsbury Town Centre. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Basically, if you like if you like walls that lean, you know, there's nowhere better than Shropshire. You know? Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah, amazing. We love the. Uh, I, I know the local tourist lady. She'll be she'll be giving us a ring. <laughs> she'll be as the Harry Bible once put it she'll she'll be as chuffed as nuts uh, yeah very good. cool so th- thanks for coming on scott it's um it's great to have you come on and that you were on on the uh on the chat hour on sunday your first experience of a uk run chat hour what did you think it was definitely my first experience of um of you know i don't what do you call it co-hosting co-anchoring i don't know i don't know what the phrase is anyway yeah. but joining the community uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was well, I think I said to you at the time, for, for my um, perhaps not particularly evolved brain, it was it was amazing and bamboozling and fantastic and uh, in equal measure. And uh, yeah, I, the conversation's carried on ever since. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been simply brilliant uh, that that Runsum as a campaign got the opportunity to, um, well, to talk about the campaign and, and some of the things it's trying to achieve and, and running mayors and other things. So yeah, it was... Uh, a very warm and welcoming group of people actually yeah good good yeah it is quite bamboozling it's a bit it can get a bit busy on there can't it <laughs> well i mean i think busy is like one of those things where people say busy to you and then you go yeah i, I think i can handle busy and then we're basically it was like the floodgates opened and then when you thought the floodgates were open that was basically the warm-up and then you know it was like trying to keep up with a with with a you know the, it's like you'd gone to iten in kenya and um you know, the elites basically start running and you think, oh, I can keep up with them. And then you realise that's their kind of pre-warm-up warm-up. Uh, and you're, you know, in a bit of bother just trying to keep up. And then all of a sudden they go into sort of the next gear and then they shoot off into the distance. It definitely felt a little bit like that. It was like, I was all right for about the first 12 seconds. And then and then it was like, wow, this is this is so many conversations all at once. What do I do? Which one do I get involved with? So, uh, yeah. So if, if I didn't reply to anybody um, on behalf of Runsum, uh, we apologise, and that was entirely my failing of being, you know, yeah, not, not, not not able to keep pace with the Kipchogis of social media. It, yeah, let let me 
reassure you and everyone that you know we've been doing this for years myself and um and my ambassadors and we never keep up so it's um yeah to be expected give us some some background on yourself scott and introduce us to uh, to run friendly and, and run some please okay yeah brilliant so um well i guess sticking with the shropshire theme um i think maybe the reason i got into running was because my lovely parents were disinclined to ever take me anywhere and if you grow up in a rural place particularly in my case it was like 1970s and 80s shropshire um there was lots of places you couldn't get to other than like on sort of dirt it makes it sound very archaic but it was like dirt tracks with like rocks and things and i had first i had a racer bike which basically as soon as you showed it the road you get a puncture and then i got a grifter bike don't know if anyone remembers a grifter anyway they were like a precursor (laughs) a precursor to a bmx um so they were considered pretty robust but they were also made out of solid steel of some kind and so as soon as you did get a puncture it was a nightmare you had to carry it for like four miles and it was the heaviest thing ever so i think basically the reason i got into running was i realized you know it was a way of getting places you know going to see people do things get stuff done Uh, Mm -hmm. back in my back in the 19 you know early 1980s i suppose and then you know like everyone else i probably had a fallow period when i went to university and other things and 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 didn't run quite so much um but then picked it up as a as a sort of latter life run commuter you know running to work and running to running to get around places and i suppose that that's where the personal interest in in running kind of grew from and got into running you know i guess enjoying races like you know like your very own Shrewsbury half. Um, mm-hmm. But then I also then, as a job, ended up um, basically helping, they call them place leaders, but think about like mayors and city leaders and the like um, mm-hmm. for your kind of local councils, local authorities, but not just in the UK, but also in um, other parts of the world. Think about the kind of places they wanted to create, you know, so... You know, did they want them to be greener? Did they want them to be more active? Did they want them to have better air quality? Did they want them to have, um, y- you know, different kind of planning and design? Uh, you know, all sorts of things about the places that they wanted to create as elected people. And then how could you use innovation of all sorts? You know, so design, digital, you know, ways of engaging people and creating different kind of conversations, but whatever it might be. Um to then help them realize that kind of vision and uh, and often do it in a way that you kind of work with different communities and and, and, and people who you know live and work and, and kind of play and go out in those places and so I did that for um, what's what's called the UK government's innovation agency it's called innovate UK set, set up their cities team there and then I then helped set up um, uh, what's called a well it's called a catapult center which is basically an innovation center. Um, and it's called the it's now called the connected places catapult and it's basically how can you help exactly on that theme how can you um how can you help places thrive you know economically socially environmentally um uh, but also how can you help you know businesses in the uk meet the changing needs of cities and places so you know that might be new technologies that might be anything from kind of like you know autonomous vehicles or cargo bikes or whatever it might be um, mm-hmm. that's a sense of place but also you know how do you design and plan different types of building how do you make them more energy efficient whatever it might be and so I did that for about in total nearly about 10 years um, and then uh, and then I still do I still do work with the Connected Places Catapult and Innovate UK around those kind of themes so I kind of blended those personal interests and those professional interests to to create essentially a couple of businesses that are about active travel uh, which is the collective term for kind of I guess walking cycling and, and I think running should be part of that too yeah so and the am I right in saying to when I've when I've read things in, in papers etc about active travel that's running gets missed out quite a bit is that right or it, not? it is it's like the Cinderella well actually no they 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 in active travel terms they sort of 
um, which so which I should say, you know, is 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 a sort of idea whose time has come. You could put it. Um, so a combination of the terrible pandemic um, and the implications that has for kind of well, both why we move and how we move. It meant that, um, you know, if we cast our minds back to the first lockdown, you know, back in sort of March 2020, there was mm-hmm. lots of guidance from from government and, and media and others basically saying, if you, if you can avoid making a journey, you know, avoid making that journey. And if you are going to make a journey, because you have to, because it's essential, um, can you, you know, walk it, or get on a bike, you know, do it actively because you can fit in your kind of exercise as well as your as well as the journey itself, and you can then mm-hmm. stress the roads less. So essentially, you know, blue light vehicles, the roads are freer for them or for people that really don't have any other choice than to get in a car. And um, mm-hmm. and, and and sort of listening to that, we I guess I thought, well, it's interesting because if you think of any you know place where you live, where you've ever lived, be it rural or be it you know a city or a town. You know, you do, you see runners out everywhere. And at that time you saw runners out a lot, you know, more than, more than, you know, one in five, according to Sport England, one in five UK adults was running once or twice a week at that point. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, if we could get what something like it, that, that 11 million people to swap out just one or two car trips a week, you know, short journey, you know, going mm-hmm. to the pick up some, Know, pick up a pint of milk or whatever it might be or you know go to visit your mum whatever it might be yeah then that would make a massive difference actually in and of itself so it's almost like runners what could you do you know in terms of how you travel and using your running interest and skills you know to help you make those kind of journeys could that be something that that, that we could make happen and and i happen to have a very uh, good and timely conversation with um the the team at, at runners world um yeah. and and they basically were like right let's do it let's do a campaign and so we basically um we we, we basically set it up and it, and it launched in september so it took a bit of time to get off the ground but actually we got some brilliant partners involved um uh you know who have you know i guess helped take that message to their communities and uh yeah. and yeah we're we're enjoying the 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 thrill of running a campaign whereby we're trying to get running recognized by uk government funders mm-hmm. the department for transport and others as a legitimate form of active travel and um yeah it's brilliant to combine with uk run chat to try and get that message across as well cool so so that that is what the run some campaign is in essence and yeah it, i mean it's it's one of those things where um almost its simplicity um is its genius because it's it's one of those things whereby the, 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 there were a few brilliant academics who study the topic of running everyday journeys um, or mm. running as a way of commuting. And probably the most, the most notable is a chap called Simon Cook, uh, Dr. Simon Cook, and he's at Birmingham City University. And he did brilliantly uh, a research project called Geographies, J-O-G, Raffies. So nice pun, yeah. like a pun, don't we, John? Um, and um, and basically in that, he interviewed lots of people who either who were currently people who, you know, ran everyday journeys and run commuted to and from work, for example, um, as well as other runners who didn't. And unlike the barriers that maybe prevent people from cycling, like, you know, the need for safe, protected infrastructure, say, you know, like cycle lanes uh, or, you know, secure bike parking at the other end or both ends, whatever it might be of your journey. Yeah. The biggest barrier for runners is that they've not considered doing it. It's just the idea of it is something they've never really thought about. And the difference between the people who do it and who often then love it and think this is a brilliant way of me fitting in something I love and saving time and you know adding some extra volume in terms of mileage or whatever it might be is is that once they've kind of made slight adaptations to their life and fitted it in they're like this is fantastic and the and the people who haven't are just people who haven't thought about doing it so it's like never is there a better idea for a campaign than of just trying to get across the possibility of running some of these local trips and once people do it they tend to like it and they tend to think right i'm going to do more of it and then 
you know, it sort of snowballs. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to come back to the barriers in, in a minute. Just before that, is there, is there two parts to this? Um, so is this about, because you, you've mentioned your relationships in, in the cities teams, is this about places being able to facilitate this more frequent human-powered uh, commute or everyday journey? Or is it about, I suppose that they go together, but is it more about motivating people to participate in it? What, what's your what's your primary aim with the Run Some campaign? Yeah, so I guess it's like most things where, you know, where we know that if we can make it seem something that is possible mm-hmm. and find other people who we all identify, each of us identify with, more people will do it. So there's almost no barriers stopping anyone from run who can run from running commuting uh, in some part or running an everyday journey because, um, you know, the act of stepping one foot in ahead of the other is something that people are doing already. And, you know, if you take, for example, a quarter of all journeys are a mile or less. So that's a very runnable distance for most runners. Mm. And two thirds... So over 66% of car trips in UK towns and cities, in the major UK towns and cities, are less than a park run. They're less than they're less than three, just less than three miles. So mm-hmm. again, if you think about three quarters of car journeys, it's it's eminently for mo- you know for most every runner, there will be at least a couple of journeys in their in their day or their week that they probably could swap out and. Um, particularly right now when most of us, well, very many more people are kind of working from home, some of the barriers that did exist, like where can I get a shower when I get to work or I need to look smart or whatever, those have sort of been removed because many of the times where where we end up is back at home. So there is that definitely part. It's like it is possible and viable and really enjoyable and often becomes the sort of best part of your day in a way um, because you've kind of, you know, you're doing the two birds with one stone type thing. Um, mm-hmm. that's the first part and we want to double the number as a campaign we want to double the number of people who run everyday journeys from 240,000 to just over half a million so that's sort of campaign number one campaign A okay. number one and yeah. the campaign A number two is can we positively influence UK government that has earmarked um, significant funds yeah. A couple of billion quid to fund active travel investments. Can they, which typically in their terms mean cycling and walking, can they, within their funding reference, you know, what they put money to, but also their kind of what they're encouraging in terms of their public campaigns, can they include running within that? Because we think, it, you know, we don't think it's every journey can be run but not every journey can be walked or cycled either. So we think it's, it, you know, it's part of the mix of how we can have more active, healthy travel at a time when active and healthy travel is really important. Yeah. So I, I went to a, a conference year before last and, and Andy Burnham the, um, from Manchester um, was speaking at it and he was speaking about uh, the infrastructure and the money, I, f- I forget the figures that they were going to spend in Manchester on bringing in cycling. And I can remember sitting there at the time thinking, well, what about running? What What are the, what needs to be different for for, for running to be included then as, as, as part? So this, this is part of the, the, the both the, um, the opportunity and also part of the barrier. Because in one sense, as you've quite rightly pointed out, by putting in infrastructure like safe pavements, for example, which are for yeah. principally for walking, runners benefit from that. So therefore, we're almost like, even though runners aren't intended to be the beneficiaries, we also benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in one sense, and you could say that you could say to a degree, the same is true of cycling lanes, because, you know, if you've got protected you've got pavement and then you've also got a protected cycle lane. Well, as a runner, I don't know what you do, but you know, I live near the Elephant and Castle in 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 London with my family, and um, mm-hmm. you know, if if I need if the pavement is busy, you know, I'll basically 
in the way that bikes are coming towards me, I'll always be on that side of the road. I'll jump into the cycling lane for a bit and then hop back on the pavement. So in some ways, and that's, you see lots of other people doing that as well. So in many ways, runners also benefit from investment in cycling. So that's fantastic. Part of the problem then, when you're speaking to people like the department of transport or, you know, you know, in this instance, say the um, the boroughs or or the the mayor of London's team, is they'll go, okay, brilliant. So um, you're already benefiting from the investments we're making, so therefore that's enough, isn't it? And then the next question then is, well, actually, there are also some things that are specific or or you know particular to different runners. So not all you know, not everybody who runs is exactly the same. There are yeah. some sort of variants between that. So for example. You know, not everyone is lucky enough. You know, if you work on a on a you know a building site, or if you you know if you work in a shop, or you know all sorts of different. Not every you know if you work in a in a you know in a in a branch of a bank. Yeah. Many of those places don't have any facilities for you to be able to get changed and get on with your day. So those they call it end of trip facilities. They're missing, and if you wanted to, um, you know, end your trip in a place where you could grab a shower. If you go into a gym and just ask, can I come in for a shower? They'll say, yeah, you can come in and have a day pass and it will cost you a tenner. And you're like, well, I don't yeah. want to spend a tenner for a shower. So therefore you're, you know, you're faced with the other options, which are kind of things like, well, do I just go in the toilet and, you know, <laughs> you know, have a splash wash or whatever. And that, you end up feeling a bit kind of grimy and grubby and a bit like you're kind of doing something that's a bit wrong. Well, so therefore one of the things that we would love to see included is essentially they call it facilities only passes, you know, the ability to be able to avail yourself of facilities in leisure centers and uh, gyms and but but all over the place for a very affordable rate and we think that should be part of what government encourages equally say for example there's something in cycling which you might have heard of it's called the cycling to work scheme so basically what it means is it's a tax efficient way through your salary that um that you can you can get your bike paid for or things that relate to cycling so why isn't that equally applicable to people who run because if you run and you buy a a running rucksack you know if you buy a good one like from arm or you know osprey or whoever it may be you know that's near nearly 100 quid if you're doing a number of miles you know you probably want to be having at least two pairs of trainers on the go um you know trainers depending which ones you go for, again, you know, mm-hmm. let's say they're around £100 each. You know, these things over the course of a year, you know, a prote- you know, windproof base layers, all the stuff that over time mm-hmm. as a runner you accrue, well, mm-hmm. if you want to be refreshing those um, so you've got them to be able to do this stuff r- pretty regularly, this all adds up. So, so why can't we have a, an equivalent um, to cycle to work, which is basically helps runners pay for the stuff that they want to pay for but in a way that's kind of tax efficient and, and affordable to them so mm. i would say that there are some very particular and we're working with some people called uk active which is the sort of member rep body for kind of gyms and leisure providers in the uk precisely mm. on both of those two things as part of the run some campaign um so yes yeah, yeah. so there are definitely distinctive things also which um i'm, I'm sure many well we, we in the in the uk run chat hour there were some brilliant things that came up um yeah so those are the things now that we need to take forward to do something about i think as a campaign so, so that was when because you asked how might you change where you live to make it better for all runners or even those that don't know their runners yet and just what you've just said there i've i've worked in corporates and i can remember the cycle to work scheme being pushed and i was looking at the bikes and thinking well there's some amazing discounts on there but what you just said really made me think if you you tot up the amount of money that you spend if you are running regularly each year it easily equates to what the cost of a you know a decent bike could be couldn't it totally yeah so i mean if you could include within it say n number of passes to be able to grab showers so not just at your place of work but nearby or when you go for other meetings or whatever it might be if you add that to the rucksack to the shoes to the you know to the gear you know running watch and other things like that you very easily get to you know you know one you know between a one and two grand which is you know the amount that um you know many people spend on a on a bike and and lights and so forth so it, it isn't like it's a sort of 
order of magnitude different. It's actually pretty much in the same ballpark. Um, and it's almost like we're giving preference to one thing ahead of another, um, where if you look at what, you know, what's accessible to people, what's possible, you know, there are more people in the UK currently who run than who ride bikes. So why are you serving one of those communities um, yeah. in a very helpful way and ignoring the other one totally? And that's not to say that we think running is better than cycling. We think walking, running, cycling, they all have their their merits and their joys. And each of us can do each of them at different times. So that's, you know, that's, that's all we're really calling for, you know, a bit of a kind of equity and fairness, I guess. Yeah. So I, it was interesting to hear those stats before about the amount of journeys and how far they, you know, we, we travel, which makes sense to me. I'm sat here thinking about it now, you know, I drive to... <laughs> I, I drive to the shop for the bread and milk and it's I was shop. There's two within a, a third of a mile <laughs> and there's a pharmacy right next door to it. Um, there's the post office, probably another hundred meters further down the road. All of those are you know, walkable um, slow runnable, cyclable. Um, and yeah, it, it's habitual to, just to jump in the car and take two minutes rather than, I mean, exactly. that, that time can be productive as well, couldn't it? The, the amount of podcasts and audiobooks and things like that you know, that you could actually listen to in that 15-minute, 20-minute walk rather than jumping in the car for a couple of minutes. It doesn't have to be... Exactly. You know, some may, may, may not see it having a, an input and just taking time up for a day, but there's opportunities. It's exactly that. And it's also like, well, I think right now, more than ever, our mental well-being and our mental health is, you know... It's really important that we find the time, you know, if people are balancing like we are, you know, like a bit of homeschooling, a bit of like, yeah. you know, probably, you know, cooking for the family more, um, you know, jobs to be done around the house, fitting around work. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that often is easy to, you know, cut out and, you know, we did some research about this as well, um, particularly amongst, you know, people who've had kids and have young, you know, young parents let's say parents of young kids is one of the things that often gets cut out is that bit of extra time that you have for yourself which you might then go for a run or you might you know might be something else like you know might go to the gym or do yoga whatever it might be those things tend to be the things that get cut out first and then as a consequence our capacity to be able to deal with the rest of the challenges and be productive and you know keep well are, are the things that suffer so it's almost like if you can find a way of getting, as you say, it's a brilliant, but this kind of habit thing. So it's like if you can deliberately think, well, okay, well, I could run that instead or I could walk it or cycle it, you can begin to form new habits. And so that's why, like anything else, they, they, they have these things called cues and rewards, which are basically what habits are made up of. So your cue could be, well, can does, is there anything stopping you wearing your running gear or at least something that you can strip off very easily to go for a run for for most of your everyday stuff so you might call it athleisure wear or whatever it might be um Mm -hmm. well that's one of the things that makes it much easier because if you do then think well actually i can go and do it you've you've almost ready to go you don't have to then go i've got to get changed i've got it that's one of the things that right now with many people working from home makes it much easier or another one basically put a note by the car keys which basically says you know run question mark you know is it a vulnerable thing and, and these are like so simple things but actually they're sort of things which you know have the potential to kind of make you think twice in that moment and then go well actually I'm, yeah, I'm gonna run it instead or you know whatever it might be and um yeah you know, one of the things that i think also has been shown is that in terms of research is that the one of the things people find you know, really value about a commute is the sort of it allows you a bit of time between your home life and your work life and right now more than ever that's that's sort of something that people are missing out on so we're seeing this fabulous thing where people are almost creating a commute whereby they people who who are good at habits and forming habits or breaking bad habits if you will they're almost going okay it's 8 30 i'm going to commute to work basically they go for a run it might be just for a loop or they might go and do a task whatever it is and then come back but by the time they sit down to do whatever they've got to do that day in terms of work they've 
they've done their commute and it's given them that a bit of thinking time or like you say the ability to listen to a brilliant podcast like this or whatever it might be so i think if anybody's listening thinking what what could i do i think you know there, there are some simple things you could just try and see how it goes yeah i i'm a big advocate of that because i work from home and when you're in the, the mists of you know work and everything life pressures etc family and all the rest of it that um you you can walk from one bedroom to your to your office your bedroom office spend hours and hours and hours in there for the day um go downstairs eat your tea and you haven't moved um and that those those, those commuting times you, you it's like it's it's good for your head because you just process and kind of compartmentalize your day don't you and um you know be exactly. that going to or coming away from work so if if you are at home i'm just thinking of solutions to the barriers as well with you here it's um you you literally could walk around the block before you start work couldn't you and at the end of your day just to switch on switch off have that fresh air um, exactly yeah exactly and and also it's like um you know that's just forming a different pattern and you might then think well i'm gonna do it for five minutes and then you might the next day think Actually, I'm going to leave a bit earlier. And then what you might then do is you then get into a slight habit where it's like, well, actually, I could fit in a couple of miles run. And before you know it, you've sort of slightly recrafted the rhythm of your day where mm-hmm. it becomes, you know, scheduled in, in a way, or part of what the rhythm of that day. Um, yeah. Which is right now with so many other patterns being disrupted and lost, it's almost like we have it's really, really easy to let all of that slip. Like personally, I'm running less than I have done ever, I think right now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, down to about 15, 16 miles a week you know, at the moment, last couple mm-hmm. of weeks. And that's been mm-hmm. down from typically around 40 to 50. And it's precisely because I used to run to, to meet people and, and, and to do things and um, more often. And I'm just having le- you know, less work meetings and I'm, you know, doing less commute. So, so, you know, I personally have, you know, had a word with myself and this week I'm beginning to do some of those things that, that I've mentioned. It's always that easy thing. It's like the cobbler's children's shoes and it, you know, you, you, yeah. you know, it, you, you, you're kind of familiar with it. You've read all about it. You've done the, you know, you've engaged with the academic studies and then, and then before you know it, you've slipped out the, the habits yourself. So, so I, I was going to ask how it's impacted. I was going to ask how it's impacted your own running because, um, you've got to be the advocate of it obviously it's your campaign so is it um you know you, you need to be doing those have you, have you run to meet somebody you wouldn't normally run to meet and um because this is a barrier i see you mentioned showers before if i if i run a mile a mile and a half to to go and meet somebody i'll be sweating i'd be quite <laughs> self that. What, what, <laughs> you know well, has anyone commented or said anything what have you what, what have you come up against? Like, so, I would guess to your first question, which is like, how does this affect my ring? I would say probably I'd be interested in you and UK Run Chat as well, which is you when you're doing a campaign type thing or, or you're doing something like UK Run Chat, you can find yourself being drawn into the kind of social media campaigning and engaging with the community side of things. And you can yeah. begin to do that at the expense of actually doing the active stuff yourself. So, that's mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely something I'm mindful of and I'm kind of uh, almost trying to do it in kind of windows of time rather than let it just infill other times, which then allows me to go for the run. In terms of the the, the shower stuff, I mean, I think we probably have spoken about this before, but when the very first thing I I, I did when thinking, well, having met you actually and and some other people who I found really inspiring at uh, the National Running Show, I, I basically thought, well, I'll do what I would have done professionally, but I'll do it with, around running and try and find out what some of the barriers are to why people don't run everyday journeys. And this is going back, you know, in, you know something like three years ago. I was still, still working full time at that time for, for the catapult. And then um, it was basically, so what is the biggest barrier? And, and basically amongst cyclists and runners, people said, well, actually it is this lack of, you know, we've moved office, we've only got one shower and there's a you know hundred of us or, move move place of work and I you know there's no no facilities and I've I used to do it but I can't do it anymore so that's when we set up something called run friendly which has evolved into something now called active things and it's basically it is this pass which via an app um allows you to to grab a shower and get changed in gyms hotels retailers like decathlon 
you know, yeah. all sorts of different places. Um, so you can then do that and then get on with the rest of your day. Uh, equally, it's for if people are playing football outside or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, doing other acts of outdoor things, you can, it's a place where you can grab a shower and then move on with your day. Now, I should say right now, given the guidance from government, it is a service which we've temporarily paused because many of those venues have, have, um, have closed. But it's definitely, I guess this is the kind of approach to kind of innovation, which I really believe is important. It's like all of your answers and all of the things you should really do come from speaking to people and asking them questions and understanding what the barriers are and then trying to think, okay, well, how could we begin to meet some of those barriers in novel ways and just to make it as easy as possible for people to do the active choice rather than the passive or inactive one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. So you don't have access to gym showers, etc. And um, yeah, we have a shower, but, next door to the gym and they have kind of thing that's great exactly that. yeah yeah so people like um you know some of the bigger brands like nike were using it for um for, for also for things like race days so you know so they would buy it on behalf of you know a number of competition winners for example and um mm -hmm. so on the day of the london marathon or whatever it might be you know they're giving people a, an extra special experience whereby pre-race post-race whatever you want you know family whatever it might be who've come to support you and it's you know it's pouring down with rain they can use the app to basically just you know go and grab a shower freshen up and you know uh, sit there with a the medal on or you know sit there with the family and enjoy the rest of the day in a, in a you know you know yeah. in a place like london or you know wherever the wherever the, the race may be held so so it's kind of both for preparing to you know a new everyday use but also perhaps on on race days as well Mm -hmm. when you um thank you for mentioning me as inspiring that's very nice of you scott i'll just acknowledge that thank you mate <laughs> the truth you know you have to you have to you know also you remember these things as well don't you so i remember you were setting up the stand at that time and i sort of bumbled across and we had a chat and and then i think we, uh, we ended up having i probably delayed you setting up the stand actually but uh yeah <laughs> definitely definitely made its mark anyway I didn't know how to set it up between us and everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Spent hours trying to work it out. Um, <laughs> where, um, where physically? I'm, I'm sure you, you've seen lots of this in in, in your role um, with Innovate UK. Then, where where is there, or is there anywhere in the UK that's set up how you'd want it to be for active travel, or is there somewhere? you know, somewhere else in a different country that, that does this really well. I mean, I think of Holland and cycling, for example. Is that a blueprint or what? What is there somewhere good in, in the UK that you look at and go, wow, this is great. You know, this town, this city is really set up well. So, yeah, so I think there, there are almost like parts of places that you would go, right, OK, that works really well. And we can borrow a bit from that and try and share that so that it can also be done at other places. But the, um, I guess the, the simple answer is in, in places like the Netherlands, um, and if you think about that being a very cycle-friendly place, very bike-friendly place, if you look at the history of it, it's really interesting. So basically, you can, those of us old enough, cast your mind back to 1972, there was an oil crisis, and basically meant that oil around the world became very much more expensive. And so driving a car became very much more expensive. Mm -hmm. And in not just not just in the Netherlands, but in the UK and America and other places, there was at that time a big boom in cycling. So um, which had been very much bigger back in the kind of 1940s and 50s. But then the 60s came along, people being able to own a car became part of like an affordable thing for a greater number of people. And then we began to radically redesign towns and cities and places. And a couple of places in the world, in particular Denmark and places like Copenhagen or um, the Netherlands and places like Amsterdam and Utrecht, they, they said, well, actually, a combination of the oil crisis and actually having towns and cities and places which are not really very suitable for cars, um, why don't we pull back from becoming a car-centric place and instead become a much more people-friendly or bike-friendly place. And so mm -hmm. 
it's actually taken, you know, since that time, the, the early 70s for places like Copenhagen to put in the infrastructure, to put in traffic calming so that people, when they are on their bikes, don't feel quite so threatened. Um, and, it, and likewise with the Netherlands, um, it, it's taken, it, it almost took um, around that time in the early 70s, it took uh, essentially a series of quite high profile um, instances where children had been killed by cars, um, or I should say killed by people driving cars, because it's, mm -hmm. it's not abstracted. Um, and people just said, you know, enough's enough. And they, they began to deliberately and very intentionally do something about it. But it's taken, you know, since, you know, let's say 50 years. So you can look at many of the things that they've done well and say, okay, how can we borrow those? But I think when it comes to running, the point is, what do you need? So, so let's, let's pick places like, you know, stay with Shropshire or, or stay with, you know, a city. If you're building homes, like a new development of homes, what you mm -hmm. might find is that that development might, you might have brilliant pavements and you might have good park and so forth for that particular kind of, let's say it's 500 homes. But actually yeah. the road that takes those 500 roads to say somewhere like Shrewsbury, what you'll often find is there's no protect, you know, there'll be sections of that road. There won't be protected pavements. So, mm -hmm. Even if you were inclined as a, you know, say as a parent to like walk that with your kids, there'll be sections of it that make you think, yeah, that's too dangerous. I'm not going to do so. So yeah. having unbroken, protected kind of pavement space between places is essential. Things like, you know, we all have probably done it. You know, um, you know, we have a camper van. I don't drive it in London because you have to, in part because there's good policies, which means it's too expensive to do so. But, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, if you if you're in London, you often see pavements and other places which people have parked on. So yeah. the act of parking on pavement is something that's just natural. I mean, we all do it. But actually, if you think about, well, what does that stop people being able to do? So it means if you're running or walking or in a wheelchair or pushing a buggy or whatever it might be, it often means that you have to then go back onto the road, round the car and then back onto the pavement again. So there's things like as runners we can all do, which is like stop parking on pavements, like find a place to park your car, which doesn't block a pavement is mm -hmm. would be a really socially positive thing to do. And if you're thinking about, you know, run friendly places or places which are good for runners, it would be, you would always have enough protected, you know, pavements to allow for people to move safely without, you know, necessarily having to go on the roads. But it also means that's brilliant for kids. It's, you know, it's brilliant for those other kind of uses of places. Then there's other things like um, parks and, and they call them linear parks. But if you take somewhere like Paris, Paris is doing amazing stuff around active travel at the moment. They have an amazing mayor called Anne Hildago and uh, a brilliant kind of academic at the Sorbonne called um, Carlos Moreno. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they have this brilliant idea called the 15 minute city, which in some ways is, is quite simple. It's almost like a, a vision for the future. But the idea is that you should be able to get, you know, 80% of the amenities that you need in your day-to-day -day life. So you yeah. go to the chemist, be able to see the doctor, your kids get to school, you know, be able to get, you know, groceries, whatever it might be. You should be able to do that within a 15-minute walk, run, or bike ride from where you live. Mm -hmm. and the idea of that isn't something you can just switch, switch over and make it happen overnight. But <clears throat> people like Sport England, they had a, a new strategy that came out yesterday, and I was really interested in listening to that. It, that's an idea that they're really doing something about. So there's the, there's something called the Town and Country Planning, T, TCPI, I think it's called. Um, yeah. and, and they're working on that idea, which is how can we design and plan places, existing places, and design services to allow those things to become possible again. And, you know, that thing about this, there used to be this thing in, in, in America, they used to call it the popsicle test. But the idea that you should be able to go from your house, walk to a nearby shop as a kid, you know, eight, nine, whatever, whatever we used to be able to do or think was yeah. possible, and then walk home with your popsicle before it melted. So their idea was like, it would be something like, a, you know, just under a mile, say. So these ideas aren't new. They're just being repackaged to kind of th help us think about what, how we can make places better for people to 
make active journeys, you know, live active outdoor lives, more easy and more and more by default than, as you say, the instinct of just picking up your car keys and jumping in the car. And basically, it's a, it's a whole series of those very small things you add together as the run some campaign, where advocating to say let's have more of these, let's get behind campaigns like Living Streets, which is a walking campaign. Uh, let's get behind things like Sustrans, which is a sustainable transport campaign, which does loads for, you know, they have a, a cycle network, which um, they maintain throughout the UK and they do an amazing job. It's used every, I was talking to them the other day, that it's used by runners every bit as much as it's being used by, um, by cyclists, but it's called yeah. the National Cycling Network. Um, if runners felt and, and it was an infrastructure that was set aside for them, it wouldn't just be the ones that know about it and using it. It'd be very many more again. And I think, you know, these sort of things about just bringing them to people's attention and saying, you know, the, you've got permission. You know, you're invited, runners, to use this stuff to, to you know, to not just go for your, you know, your five k run, but actually for getting places. And, and and there's just one other thing. There's some an amazing new thing called Slowways, which by this guerrilla geographer he calls himself called Daniel Raven Ellison. And basically slowways is is like refinding the paths and the tracks that for hundreds of years were how we would walk or run or you know get between places um they're refinding them and reopening them and, and putting them you know mapping you know mapping them again and yeah. wanting to make those open to to runners and, and and pedestrians so you know how do you get between Blackburn and Burnley well at the moment people would drive um, but actually, there are walkways, you know, paths that you can rekindle in order to make that a perfectly viable thing to do. And it's about, you know, all of these things are about bringing them to people's attention and then saying, look, runners, we it's not just about how we do our park run on a Saturday, as amazing as that is. It's about how do you get to park run? And it's about how do you, you know, if you go to the gym, how do you get to the gym? And it's about, you know, if you're going to go and, you know, see a friend, could you, you know, could you run there, meet them in the pub, have a pipe, you know, get back in a different way? You know, so it's about how we live the rest of our lives as well as kind of having a clear boundary around our running life, if you will. Yeah. So t tell us about the running mares. Who, yeah, who should have this and what, and what will they be doing and how, how they fit in? Well, I, I, again, cards on table, Joe. I am hoping that, um, you know, there is a certain potential running mayor of, of, of Shrewsbury, uh, but uh, 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 having looked at the uh, this morning at the people who've who've applied, I, I didn't see one for for Shrewsbury, Joe. I know you're a very busy man, but you know, lots of runners in Shrewsbury. Huh? <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so running mares. So um, I should say it, it's a it's it's a champion for running where they live. So mm -hmm. it's somebody who can champion running as everyday journeys, but also running for sport and for leisure which essentially we think, you know, running is a gift that keeps on giving. The more and different people see it as a possible thing for them, the better it is for both that individual, but also it is for everyone else and for that place. And so a running mare basically is like a visible face, a visible name, a visible voice, if you can have a visible voice, um, an audible voice, um, who basically champions running. And we have borrowed the idea um, or taken inspiration from, whichever you will, from the equivalent for cycling and a brilliant charity um, based out in the Netherlands called Bikes, B-Y-C-S, does mm -hmm. something called the Cycling Mares Network and we're setting up an equivalent which is called the Running Mares Network. So we're looking for people to come forward and become the running mayor of where they live. And that might be a village, it might be a town, or it might be a city. Um, and, um, you know, we've got some fantastic supporters. We've got people like Lee Craigie, who's the Active Nation Commissioner, who's formerly, you know, you know, by the Scottish government is kind of championing and supporting creating Scotland as, an, as, a, as a place for, for people to actively travel more. And they've got behind it. Will Norman, who's the, uh, the Commissioner for... Uh, cycling and walking in London, he's got behind it. Um, people like Joe, amazing Joe Pavey, the five-time Olympian. You know, we've got some fantastic supporters, um, and and we're really just saying, okay, well, who who's up for it? You know, and what we'll do is 
we don't have all the answers by no means, but basically we'll end up with a network of people who can both inspire and support each other, but they can mm-hmm. also bring their different skills to bear. So, you know, who's great at social media? Can they share those tips with others? Who's brilliant at dealing with, you know, journalists? Who's Who knows how to be interviewed well? Who Who's academics who can provide some research insights that can be helpful to people? Who's mm-hmm. who's Who knows how to go into a school and talk to primary school kids about, you know, how they could persuade their parents to turn the school run into the school run, you know, whatever it might be. So we're, we're looking for, for, for people to come forward. And the first cohort of those running mayors um, uh, closes on the 31st of January and we'll do a second cohort later. But we'd very much like people to apply before the 31st of Jan. OK, so, so finally, where, where do people do that and how do people interact with you, Scott? Give us all your social handles and oh yeah brilliant yeah. so um so it's basically www.runsome.org so that's r-u-n-s-o-m-e.org um and there's right up there there's a section on running mares and the running mares section is basically takes you to a, a just to a form very simple form takes less than five minutes to do and it's basically asks you why do you want to be a running mare where do you want to be a running mare for what's the sort of top three things that you'd like to do or make happen as a running mayor in the following 12 months and um and then it says just gives an example of you know can be very low low key you know can be with your school or you know parents group or you know local running group whatever it might be an example of something where you've engaged others um because we think that's a kind of important um these people will need to work with others they'll need to listen to people they'll need to kind of you know engage with different you know people who aren't 100 percent like them so that that's the only other thing that we really ask people to do and then the, the social channels are at run some hq so uh, on instagram and twitter so r-u-n-s-o-m-e-h-q so like headquarters uh, abbreviated for both of those and then yeah we'd love we'd love the 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 uk run chat and sport chat community to to get involved and and we see them as a really valuable uh, community and you know, who instinctively are supportive of one another and offer ideas and, you know, it's a brilliant fit, we think. Cool, Scott. Thanks very much. This is, I'd love to do this again in six, 12 months' time, see, see where you're at. It's, um, it'll be really interesting to see how, I mean, hopefully we'll be, we'll be in a vaccinated post-COVID place and, and you know, to see how run-friendly and, you know, how many people are, commuting etc it'd be great to, to do that again if you're up for it yeah definitely and i think probably uh, personally definitely up for it and i think it would be amazing if um uh if we could get some of the the local running mares to also um you know yeah. come come and have a, a conversation about some of the things that they've been up to as well so that would be fantastic and uh, that would be a, a well a pleasure and an honor as always Jeff. thank you scott thanks for coming on it's been great thanks mate thanks everyone